Let me read from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32, and then Josh will come and speak to us after that. Jesus is speaking, and he asks, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Thank you very much, Simon. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you this morning. The question we're thinking about this morning is this. Who has the authority? Who has the right to tell you what to do? I've got some pictures. Simon, if you would throw one up. Okay, we've got a goalkeeper and a referee here. Who's got the right? Who's got the authority? The goalkeeper or the referee? Put your hand up if you think the goalkeeper has got all the authority. Hands up for referee. Lovely, well done, you're all correct. Next slide, please, Simon. Okay, we've got a criminal in handcuffs. Has he got the authority, anybody? Put your hands up, one over there. What about the policeman, has he got the authority? Police officers, yep, they've got the authority. Next one, Simon. Okay, we've got a mum, a dad, and a little girl. The little girl's in charge, right? Yeah, yeah, you would, you would like that, wouldn't you? No, the parents are in charge. The parents have authority over their children. And the story we've just read comes in a bit of the Bible when everybody's talking about Jesus and what authority does Jesus have? Because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are in a bit of a, a tizzy. Jesus has been doing some amazing, miraculous things, and all they're doing is getting even more annoyed and even more frustrated at him. He comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The crowds are shouting, Hosanna! Who does this man think he is? Then he clears out the temple. He overturns the tables. He gets rid of the con men. And the children who see this happening praise him. Who does Jesus think he is? He even curses a fig tree. Who does that kind of stuff? Then finally, it all comes to a head in verse 23. If you've got a server sheet or a Bible with you, keep uh, Matthew 21 open. Verse 23 says this. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you this authority? It's a little bit like me standing here and having the uh, New Testament uh, professor from Cambridge come in and say, Josh, what are you talking about? Where do you get this stuff you're saying from? Or the Bishop of Ely saying, stop this sermon, stop preaching now. Maybe you've dreamt of standing up in church and saying, please stop this sermon. The confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders has begun. And you think by now, if you're familiar with any of the Gospels, you think they would have learnt their lesson. 
because time after time they go to Jesus and they try to trick him and they try to trap him. You can't trick Jesus. You can't exploit his logic. You can't get holes in it. You can't argue with his reasoning from Scripture. You can't make him look like a fool. But instead, if you argue with Jesus, Pharisees, you will look like a fool. Jesus replies to this question, which authority do you work on? And he says, look at verse 24, and he asks them a question in return. Typical Jesus doesn't just answer the question, but instead wants to ask another question to get to the heart of actually what they're saying. He asks them a question, well, what do you think about the baptism of John the Baptist? Was it from man or was it from heaven? And the Pharisees go, oh, I don't know. They, they regather, they think, and they say, well, if we say it's from heaven, then we're basically wrong. But if we say it's not from heaven, the crowd will riot and they will revolt and not like that. So they come back and they say, Jesus, we, we don't know. We don't know. Well, actually, they're too scared to answer his question. They won't listen to Jesus. They're too afraid that they might be wrong. And they're too afraid that Jesus is going to tell them what to do. The religious authorities corrected by a carpenter? No way. And because they don't like being corrected, their hearts are hard against Jesus. And instead of sitting at his feet, instead of listening to him and learning from him, eventually they will walk away and they will continue to plan his downfall. They don't want to be humble. They don't want to repent. They want to say that they're the respectable people they're not as bad as the tax collectors and all the other sinners. They don't want to be told that they've got religion wrong. And we're probably a little bit like them. I know I'm a little bit like them. One thing I really hate being told is, Josh, you are wrong. Especially when it comes to spiritual matters. Especially when it comes to how I live my life for God. And just because I live in a nice place, a nice village, in an affluent part of Cambridge, just because I'm quite polite and I'm reasonably well-mannered, I think, just because it's not really obvious to you what my major sins or my moral feelings are, just because my morals look like they're kind of Christian, because I look and I feel a little bit like a Christian, doesn't mean I don't need to repent, just like prostitutes, thieves, murderers, or somebody who's rejected God all their life. The gospel is not about looking respectable. It's about believing in Jesus, trusting, trusting in him, and repenting of your sins. Or maybe there's someone who's been coming to church for years, listens to thousands of sermons, heard the, all the big name preachers. Maybe you even have a list of Christian morals that you, you kind of listen, that you kind of live to. And somebody asked that person, well, what do you think about Jesus? And like the Pharisees, they have to say, well, I don't really know. Do you see the authority that Jesus teaches with? And have you responded to it? To take matters further, Jesus tells a little parable, a little story that he wants to help to explain to the people what he's trying to say. He says, verse 28, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, Go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did, the father, did what his father wanted? The first, he answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, 
the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Now, it's a pretty straightforward little story Jesus tells. We don't need any really extra explanation. Sometimes when Jesus tells a parable, he, he gives a little bit extra explanation to the, the disciples. He doesn't have to do that unless I'm missing something here. It's a pretty straightforward and simple parable. A father has two sons, and he tells them, go and work in my vineyard. One son says, yes, I will go, but then doesn't go. And the other son says, I will not go, and then he changes his mind. And the reason Jesus asked this parable to the Pharisees, he asks it like a question. He says, Pharisees, will you go and work in my father's vineyard? Are you doing the father's will? You may be respected, you may be knowledgeable, you may put on a good show, but have you truly repented of your sins? Have you truly been converted, Pharisees? Let's look at these two sons. Son number one, he says no. He doesn't recognize his father's authority, so he refuses to go into the vineyard. But then he thinks about it. He reconsiders and he decides actually the best thing for him is to go and work in his father's vineyard. So he turns around. He changes his mind. He repents and he goes to his father's vineyard and he works for him. Maybe that's a bit like you when you first heard the gospel. No, I don't want to repent. I don't want to bow down before Jesus. Not now. But after a while of thinking about it, after a while of maybe even hearing the gospel again, you go, well, actually, you know what? I do believe this. Jesus, I do trust in you. Jesus, I will say sorry for my sin. Will you help me to live for you? But even as Christians, these words speak to us as well. Do we recognize the authority of Jesus 100% in every aspect of our life? Jesus' authority isn't just for Sundays or for the spiritual bits. It's for every single bit of it. It's all-encompassing. The answer is, well, I certainly don't all the time. We're fallen human beings. Of course, there will be parts of us that are in rebellion to God. But we have to keep working we have to keep saying, God, would you show me where I'm sinning? God, would you show me where I'm far from you? And would you help me to change my life? Would you keep refining me? So where in your life today do you need to keep repenting? Where do you need to turn around to change your mind and to follow Jesus? Maybe it's in your discontent. Maybe it's that feeling that God has dealt me a bad hand in life. Maybe it's dealing with anxiety. That, Lord Jesus, I know you have said, don't be anxious because you are good and you provide, but it's really hard. Would you help me to see that? And would you help me to trust that promise? Maybe it's failure to live for Jesus at work, with friends who don't know Jesus, on the football pitch. Maybe it's hard to live for Jesus when your kids drive you mad. But no, whenever we are confronted with our sin, there is a Savior standing by, ready to pile on grace and forgiveness, wanting us to turn around and ready to put us at work to live, ready to put us to work to live for him. Maybe this isn't you just yet. Maybe you're still hearing the gospel and still saying no. Here Jesus is giving you another opportunity 
to change your mind, just as he is pleading with the Pharisees to change their minds. Will you take that opportunity? That's the first son, the son that initially says no, and then repents and goes and works in his father's vineyards. Here's the second son. So the second son, whenever his father says, go and work in my vineyard, he goes, yes, of course, father. And then he doesn't go at all. He's somebody who looks a little bit like a Christian, but really there's no faith or there's weak faith underneath it all. Now, it's not laziness that prevents these people from following God. If we take the Pharisees as the the target of this message, they're busy people, but they're not busy doing the will of God. They're hard at work, but they're not doing the things God has told them to do. His father says, go get busy in my, in my vineyard. But the son goes, well, actually, I have a vineyard of my own to look after. God says, get busy working for his kingdom. And sometimes we're tempted to say, well, God, I have a lot of stuff to do in my own little kingdom. And we can so easily confuse what is God's kingdom, what is God's agenda, and what our agenda is. God wants us to be moral, so I'll be the most moral person I know. God tells me to be busy serving and helping others. And the more, the more I do that, the more I will tell people I do that and the better they will think of me. God wants me to serve and to lead in church, which is just as well because it seems I'm the only person that knows what's going on around here and I'm the only one that can do it right. It can be so easy to say, yes, God, I will work for you, but then get carried away into actually just serving ourselves. Again, for us fallen humans, where we can get so easily entangled in our sin. Sin that wants to glorify us instead of glorifying God. There's forgiveness for us. There's hope for us that day by day, with repenting every day, that we will better serve God and serve ourselves less. We just need to repent like the first son did. To finish his challenge to the Pharisees, Jesus finishes on verse 31. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. He says, Pharisees, you're being left behind. Even prostitutes and tax collectors are coming into God's kingdom ahead of you. Can't you see that? Can't you see that they are able to recognize God? That they are able to recognize my authority? That they are willing to bow down and repent, but you are not? You are the religious experts, and yet you're being left behind. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for every one of us here that this will not be true of us, that we will not get the shock on the day of judgment and find out that we are the ones that have been left behind, but that each and every one of us would be working in the Father's vineyard. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for your love, your love that is so evident in this passage of Scripture. Lord Jesus, we praise you for for pleading with the lost to come to know you. And we just pray, God, that we would be people who know you, who love you, 
who are striving to 100% give you all the authority in our lives. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to repent where we need to repent, that you would help us to strive where we need to keep going, that we would be mindful of your grace and of your forgiveness for us. And we just pray, God, that we might be helpful, that we might be servants to those who do need to repent, Lord, that you would use us to further your kingdom and use us to work in your vineyard. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.